but now the return on that projection is not coming back. So ghost cities in China are basically projects that were funded by the government that are, they Imagine King of Prussia was built. Sure, by the government. And it was empty. It is impossible to anticipate where the two monsters which suddenly appeared in the atomic area will attack next. If your power goes out, remain calm. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 38 of the First Sip Podcast. Today's just me and Dikembe. Lighter episode for everyone. However, we do have a bunch of guests lined up. Scheduling-wise, it just ended up being me and Dikembe, but we like that. Things we like interesting in the past week. It's been hot. It's been hot. People have been sending us some, I guess, you, can we call them some, some prospects? Some Definitely. people, hopefully, that will get lined up. They are prospects. Are you closing them? Of course. That's what you do. You seal the deal. Yeah. Um, But we do have um, a decent amount of excellent guests lined up. So me and Dikembe thought we'd just chime in with us today. Touch on some decent topics that we're going to try to get future guests on to talk to us more about since we really don't know that much with what we're talking about regarding the supply chain. Dikembe wants to talk about something called ghost cities. I I need people to know what's going on over there. In China or something like that. The Chinese ghost cities. Chinese ghost cities. I know somebody sitting there and they're like, like, here we go. They're like, Dikembe's tapping into that deep content again. Yes. Dikembe wants to talk about Chinese ghost cities. We're going to talk about the supply chain and unemployment situation going on. Um, I think there was like a breaking news flash today that some stuff was found about Brian Laundrie, that dude in the Gabby Petito case. Well, we don't know. That might have just been clickbait. And we've been talking clickbait. about clickbait. You think they got us? That, that's our water cooler talk. Let's talk about that, Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I don't know if we talked about her already with the people, but y'all might have seen the story. You know, she took off on a road trip with her boyfriend. They left from New York, went cross country, a couple of the national parks. And then Brian comes home without Gabby. Mm-hmm. Listen, now, once again, what are you going to do if, if your boyfriend comes home without your, your daughter? And then he went missing immediately after, right? A couple of days later, right? So if you're the father, you would sit there and snap, right? 100%. Which is apparently what happened. So they had a little dispute, a little debacle back and forth. Okay. Then, then Brian goes missing. And apparently his parents just didn't know for a couple of days. They definitely smuggled him out. Bro, they got him out the country. 100%. He killed her. They sent... People think he might be down to like Barbados. You think? And I got family down there who can look for him. Dude, it's crazy that parents will, like, will just do that without, without a question. Like if you go to your mom and dad... And you're just like, listen, I messed up. I killed somebody. I don't know if my mom or dad would do that. 100%. I don't know. Lydia might be like, why are you here? Dude, my mom, I know for a fact, my mom is one of the best people walking this earth. Most ethically correct people walking this earth. But if I were to say to her, mom, I messed up. I killed this person. She'd say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Wow. That's a fact. I am not going to look at your mother the same. That's a fact. My dad, my dad would, would fuck me up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beat my ass. But then he would hide me. Punch you in the face, beat you a couple of times. He'd be like, why are you wasting my time like this? I see it happening actually right now. Yeah. But he, he would definitely help me also. That would be, wow. That would be a moment. Let me make sure I'm there for that. Dude, clickbait. Oh, we can't talk about it. it. Why can't we talk about it? Are you finished with it yet? I did finish. I told you. Let's talk about it. The ending Listen, people had weeks. They yeah, had weeks I don't to catch ruin. up. No, we can't. No, no. Spoiler alert. No. Spoiler alert. No. Spoiler alert. Um, nope. I'm not hit, doing it. Hit the 30 second button two times if you didn't listen no, to No, I want people to listen because to Because I need Bert to give me a 30 second rundown of what you thought at the end. If you haven't listened, if you haven't watched Clickbait yet, you really should. It's phenomenal on Netflix. Super captivating. Like, what I don't get into crime thrillers 
and I was so into this show. What did you think about the final two episodes? So the final two episodes, again, guys, spoiler alert, fast forward three minutes. Yep. We're not going to talk about anything good. Fast forward <laughs> three minutes. Dude, the fact that it was that that teacher or like the, the woman admin. How it all came full circle. The admin who you thought was him. the nice lady, the one who's just kind of in the background. Bro, playing a game. And this is what I'm talking about. The husband was literally ready to shoot an innocent kid oh, yeah. for her mm-hmm. and crack Nick with a hammer. That was insane. My and jaw dropped. When he knew she was doing yeah. this. So was she like in love with the women or was she paying a game? Like I, I watched the show, but more, I don't know. I think she was more in love with the attention that she was getting from those people she was she, interacting with. She, de- she wasn't even a little bit in love with Emma. She was kind of weird, man. Maybe, maybe she was like feeding into it a little bit, but I really think part of her just liked playing that like personality and being like, like she said in the show, she was like, I, it's crazy like how it feels to just like get attention and be like loved, right? And she wanted to know like what that felt like to be wanted. It was cool how the the story, the story went and like, it was, it was so crazy. It was like the producers like, okay, at the end of this episode, we're going to create the illusion that this person is probably the guy. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to make another episode about that person. And you're mm-hmm. going to realize they're not the guy. You thought it was the coach. You thought it could be the wife. The, the dude, the, the chick. The brother that the, of the actual uh, The girl son was texting. His... Well, Insane. the brother was crazy. That was crazy. When, that they, when they kidnapped him and you find out like that's, that's where the video was recorded. Yes. yes. I thought he was dead there. Uh, yes. I, I was like, oh, this is how it ends. No, it, it was psych. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was good it, stuff. It was. It was just a good show the entire story through. That's what I'm saying. It's only a matter of time until they make this uh, Gabby Petito stuff into a into a whole Netflix. I think it already. Ha- it has like uh, 60 minutes, right? It has a 60 minutes on Probably it. Have to. Yeah. Probably a Dateline uh, episode too. Oh, for sure. You know they're good with that. Lester Holt probably did a whole breakdown. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. But yeah. So, in regards to the supply chain, watched a couple videos to catch up on what, what we're going to talk about. Supposedly, we have all of the products. So those of you out there who are listening, if you've been inside a Wawa lately, been inside a local convenience store, wherever you're located, any convenience store, grocery store. Try to order some stuff online. Shelves are empty. Yep. And it's not a supply problem. No, no. The supplies are there. They're sitting there in the ports on yeah. the coast. Yeah, I remember a couple months ago when that boat was stuck in the canal and just sideways mm-hmm. and we couldn't get it out for like weeks for some reason. Mm-hmm. And now here we are still dealing with the supply chain issues. It really makes us like, I don't know, like, and once again, this is why we're going to have that person on to talk about supply chain, right? And like we are. breaking down we're step get a, by step. A, a trucking logistics individual. Because, you know, like from my understanding, like when we look at like what's going on from the ports, right? With the ships that are coming in and the backup to getting that from the ships to the trucks onto the railways, right? It's like where no one really seems to be vocalizing like where the breakdown is happening, right? It just seems to be a problem with the overall shift that we had, I guess, decades ago towards like globalization, right? Where we focused on just making products. But I think they cheap. are, but I think they are aware, that, like they are vocalizing where the problem is. The vocal- so what are they saying that it's coming from? Offloading. There isn't enough work. So, <clears throat> so it, the special I watched was literally actually just done today. It was long. Mm-hmm. It was like 25 minutes and extensive broke down each segment right now. There's not a supply problem mm-hmm. because all of the cargo is sitting either in freights or sitting in pallets or sitting literally on the coast They're in the shipping containers in the shipping containers. <clears throat> By the way, those containers, this was, I think it was an NBC special. I watched those containers are so large. They can hold up to 200 full-size mattresses. That's how big they are. Mm-hmm. It, they said like 70, which I thought was crazy. 70 like TVs, mm-hmm. dude, 9,000 
pairs of shoes. It's it's a major thing in Guyana. I mean, like can that's be how one we, of those. Crates. That's how we shipped our entire like uh, house that's, that's, full of furniture down there, right? That's how we do everything. We rent a container. Yeah, well, no, so, no, that's how we, that's how the United yeah. States does almost all of their yeah. importing. And so, like, think about like a lot of Caribbean families, right? Like they have to send stuff like back and forth down to down to the islands, right? Down to like Guyana, back to where my family's from, and having being able to get space on a container being able to get like a barrel like you'll sit there and fill like a regular like brown barrel right so like people who know they know what i'm talking about you fill that brown barrel up with goods supplies and you send it back down the country but you got to get on a container right so now you got to connect with the company who's able to get in a container and be able to do all this stuff so even right like we are dealing with it here but down there man it's even i mean it's the same type of issues right oh, so that's sure. where it's it's so interesting to see how this is affecting everybody across the globe and that's why i brought up like it was a global pandemic yeah but but also like because from what i've been seeing right like you think about i raised up the the topic about like globalization right like where once again companies major companies said okay let's find a way to make things as cheap as possible and not really worry about doing them close to base right because it's cheaper and it's less cost effective if we have other places that we can outsource these things from right now we're running into this problem where it's like okay well now we need to kind of kickstart that that system again that chain and get these items from all these other places but we can't do it fast enough to also f- keep up with the biggest thing that i think changed over the pandemic is our like our consumption habits C- kind of so right. well i mean like just so, look at how many people have been ordering stuff online like people aren't going out and shopping so i mean there has been like a notable shift in right. consumption so yeah what are you saying? yeah yeah so so the trigger <clears throat> There is the supply. So the pandemic hit and the world stopped buying goods, right? And then there was a massive influx of stimulus and then there was a the world reopening. So everyone started buying goods again. So mm-hmm. the world stopped, supply was still available. Now supply is even more so available. It's just sitting on the coast, right? <clears throat> now there is a massive demand uptick as well. Christmas is coming up, the holidays are coming up, people have money, people mm-hmm. aren't spending money and now they are, right? So supply is there, demand is there, Typically, that should cause an economy to thrive. However, the missing component and what literally kept the U.S. supposedly afloat is trucking. Mm -hmm. So trucking delivers goods throughout the country, medicine, supplies, food, whatever. There's a massive shortage of drivers Drivers. and people to unload the crates. Mm -hmm. We have everything. Everything you need is sitting on the coast Mm -hmm. right now. We simply just don't have the employment which is a massive problem. And that's that's and, why I rose, raised the other point too with it, right? Like I sent it over to you, I was like, okay, we have the supply shortage, but we also have the unemployment issue that's going right hand in hand with it. And, you know, my it's not a conspiracy theory, but it's just like the side of me wonders, like, is this going to be what kind of encourages a lot of these businesses to push for AI, to push for some sort of automation? Because you realize that with, once again, the uptick in demand, right? The way that consumption is moving forward, you need to find a way to be more efficient to get products to people. Look at Amazon. Well, look at what we, they're able to do with technology, right? And I don't know many people who have had issues getting products from Amazon over the past year. But they're going to start, I'm sure. Oh, well, it's definitely going to happen, of right? Course. But we're seeing issues from people like U.S. Postal Service, yeah, FedEx, this is an, UPS. This is a direct correlation. Mm-hmm. Like This isn't something that requires a new solution. There was a solution. There were workers. This system was working. But we never had I shelves asked, like this. But that's where I asked you, though. If you're a CEO in the business, right, and you're saying my biggest problem right now is finding people to unload mm-hmm. a truck, mm-hmm. if you know there's technology that can go ahead and say, okay, I can go ahead and get a forklift, I can go ahead and do this with some sort of technology that we can build into it, I'm not worried about bringing people back. How much is that going to cost me to do it? Because I can still sell my products and I can actually cut out this uh, person here. Oh, of course. And now in five years, when I no longer need this entire department of people because we had an entire uh, backup for a year because we couldn't get people back to work after we're raising rates, uh, raising starting wages, giving bonuses. It's like, what do you do at that point? 
you have to pivot and start thinking, okay, what can we do to keep our business moving? Yeah. Yeah. You have to pivot or you just hope that like people things, come yeah, people come back to work and that the ways go back to the ways things were. And it, it, I mean, it, you don't want to get political or any way, but it has to start with leadership. There was a, there was a massive transition in leadership and now we have a massive employment problem. And it's like, the, but once again, like we've been seeing this for the pandemic, we've been seeing this throughout the pandemic. And I think people have just gotten After. more and more comfortable. No, because once again, me sitting there, like I go back to my time at the bank, you see people who got really comfortable sitting there getting that money, that direct oh, employment money from the government, right? Sure. Or just realizing that I am not going to go back into a job. And that's another thing we have to acknowledge too, is that it's not just that people aren't going back to work, but a lot of people realize during the pandemic, why am I going to go and waste 40, 60 hours a week at a job that I can make the same money at in half the time and spend time with my family and friends. So I think that's another thing that we're going to have to realize that I don't think the workforce is ever going to be back to the capacity it was before the pandemic, because I think a lot of people have either just tapped out and started doing a lot of gig work. That's also not quantified with the unemployment rate. Um, and they're just doing, they're starting their own things. Now, will it be sustainable for them? We'll see that in five, seven years, right? Whether or not they're able to keep that going, right? Keep themselves afloat financially. But once again, like I we don't know, right? We're still going through it. And with this whole pandemic and the way people have really shifted the things they're doing, it is going to have long-term uh, repercussions. And I, of course, me personally, I think this is where you're going to see a lot of technology moving in because you've seen it in the banking world, the amount of digital products that every bank has rolled out in the past year because they couldn't get employees to come back has been ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Uh, obviously you have to pivot. Like you're saying there, there has to be technological advancement if you can no longer rely on human labor, but that takes time. Technological and, advancement requires and research and development, too, financing, it and makes requires more money. It's profitable. Sure. But technological advancement also requires R&D, which requires people. So if you have an employment shortage, well, where are you going to pull the people from to develop this technology when you literally can't even pull people? <laughs> well, that's going to be the answer that people don't want to hear, and that's going to be overseas. Uh, because once again, you look, at most, globally, you look at the majority of engineers, you look at the majority of people who understand how to get this technology done. It's not people here. That's why we outsource a lot of these jobs, right? So it's not that, and that's the thing. I think maybe, I'm just gonna go back to once again, we're gonna start seeing a lot of these jobs shift because if people are not gonna wanna do them here, think about how how big the role of a virtual assistant has picked up in the past two years. You can go hire somebody in the Philippines for like a dollar an hour and get them to do a lot of your administrative stuff depending on the industry and insurance, real estate, um, door-to-door sales. Because what are they doing? Sending emails, sending text messages, sending DMs. So that same person who you would pay $25,000 here, $30,000 here in the U.S., set up a virtual assistant if you can't find that person here to do the work for you anymore. So, oh, yeah. Like, uh, no, absolutely. We're going to see a lot more just virtual roles being outsourced if people don't want to say, okay, how can I also find a way to be of service to somebody who needs it, right? To sure, yeah. sure, sure. I think virtual, ad, no, you're right. Virtual admins, and they always are outsourced, typically from a pricing standpoint, but that's not going to get freight that's not going to get crates unloaded no but i mean you remember the other week we talked about um was i robot a warning and i talked about spot right that robotic dog that was working on ports for the past couple years that'd be cool what happens if you start seeing an influx of those start happening because that technology has been there right so once again it's not the trucking company who needs to figure out what to do it's those those SaaS companies right like the companies like software as a service well those developers who sit there and say like we and think about when you start getting government subsidies because that's kind of like why i was bringing uh bringing up the uh topic of China's ghost cities, because you sometimes you do see these uh, governments that step in and say, okay, what can we do to spark innovation, right? To drive productivity, to uh, just get things going again within our, our local government, within the economy. And that's one thing that China did with a lot of their property development, a lot of their real estate development over the past 
10, 20, 30 years. A large influx of debt, right, that just fueled real estate development, hoping that, okay, now we're going to get our population because, you know, their population is, I mean, it's the the largest population in the world, right? So you sit there and you look at what's going on over there. They're trying to get people now to move more into the cities, move more into that urban uh, lifestyle and out of the rural areas. So that's where they developed massive amounts of properties. I think when I checked uh, this week, they had a shortage. They have 65 million vacant homes right now in China. Damn, that's crazy. And that's that's a problem for them, right? Because what happens if you can't fill these homes? You have debt that needs to be repaid because the government did start with this great idea and say, oh, let's spark this innovation. You know, let's drive productivity and get people really going. But now the return on that projection is not coming back. So ghost cities in China are basically projects that were funded by the government that are, they Imagine King of Prussia was built. Sure. By the government. And it was empty. Well, no, like what they did, they gave the opportunity zone in this area, right? And said, okay, developers come in here, build up. We'll give you, uh, let's say, a 10-year tax abatement. So you won't be taxed um, heavily for this time period. So come in here, develop everything you can do, and bring people to this area, right? So we've been here for a good amount of time now, and we see what has happened not only around here, but Philadelphia. And that's there's a lot of opportunities around Philly, which is why there's been so much development. So, And you're seeing it already coming back, right? Like, I mean, look at, look at the mall out here. It's right. one of the busiest areas it, right around the city. That didn't come back around initially for the in, ghost in China, for the ghost cities. Now mm-hmm. they're starting to see some more, uh, it's, things are starting to pick up. You're starting to see people moving into these cities. You're starting to see a little uh, more businesses coming in. You're starting to see more schools and universities being built in these like rural areas, which is really helping it a lot. Which brings us you know, back over here and saying, like, okay, if we do go ahead and kind of spark or give some sort of subsidy to these businesses or these tech services so they can kind of start linking up with other small businesses to improve our process... Do people really believe that that return on investment is there? So it's why, like, that's, why it's are like pitching? We have to pitch people on this idea, right? And say like, do you believe that it is worth it for us to actually pay, you know, to get this technology uh, out there to these businesses? So why are ghost cities like? Why did you even want to talk about this? Because that brings me into where we are with the housing market, right? Because that's another big issue, right? You talk about shortages, you talk about like supply issues, you talk about like what do we do to really um, get things to back to normal? Right. Because we have, yes, we have the issue with the supply chain and getting products to people. But, you know, me, I'm in real estate. So I'm looking also at the massive housing shortage that we have right now. Inventory wise. Inventory wise. Right. And not only just from people who are selling homes, but us as millennials, right? We're the largest generation right now in this country Mm -hmm. with the largest buying power. So when we look at that, we are moving into our ages where we're all ready to start buying homes. Is that true? Do we have the law? Does our group have the largest buying power? And we are getting ready for the largest transfer of wealth in our country. When we look at all of our parents who have generated well, for our parents who have been here, who have generated wealth in this country decades after decades after decades, people are going to start passing away, passing over life insurance, assets that they have in trust and different things like that. So all of that is going to change the economic game in this country when you look at how people are really buying into assets. But that's also a problem with the baby boomers who are now trying to downsize, right? Because we're competing against them and saying, okay, we want to buy our first homes. A lot of people are saying, I want it to be my dream home, you know, that end all be all I'm going to do for 30 years. But then there's the baby boomers who are now saying like, okay, I also want to downsize into that kind of nice, you know, like suburban home, maybe like down in a nice country area or down south. They've had equity built up for the past 20 years. We've tried and been saving for seven years post-college. Mm-hmm. We are not in the same competition right now. Sure. And that's the thing where a lot of home buyers are realizing. But also you look at, that's one side of it. You go back to the shortage of, Okay, now they're all shopping for the same product, right? But we don't have enough product to actually fulfill that. And this is like, how do you solve that if it's not some sort of like step in by the government? 
And I would ask you, right, because, you know, like our, our views do differ sometimes on political sure. issues. Sure, but sure. when you look at um, what the government can do in a situation like this to spark development, right, to kind of yeah, get people I, incentivized to buy homes, to develop homes, kind of like because you, you bought a new construction, right? Yes, I did. That's the biggest issue right now is that we don't have a new enough new construction being done across the country to to fulfill the demand. Well, we well, which trickles literally all the way back to exactly. what we started with. New construction can't happen right exactly. now because there's a massive labor you and see how massive this is all full circle. wood shortage. Yeah, I mean, but but I don't think the priority right now by the government is development, <clears throat> and I don't think the priority is housing. So you see, it's going to be a problem. And this but, is where sometimes I say like we need literally like a a bulletin board of our main priorities like per year for a country I'm because sure they have, if yeah. we're sitting no like for like the average person to like oh, be able to oh, tap oh. into because right. i feel like it would keep some of the conversations driven like more right and people just tapped in because when you think about it how people okay if we're not paying attention to the housing shortage right now we're only worried about supply chain one most people need to understand like why but then what happens in five years from now when we still haven't dealt with the housing shortage 10 years from now when we still haven't dealt for the dealt with the housing shortage and the average first-time home buyer can't buy a home anymore because they're completely priced out. What yeah. happens if real estate in this area turns into New York real estate? Oh, that'd be great for me. From a, great from a for value, you. I'd be pumped. Right. It'd be yeah. great for me, right? Selling it left and right. Yeah. But for once again, the average person coming out of college, the person who might you know, have a kid or two kids and now they're just trying to start their life. How economically speaking, you're not in an environment where you can save enough money to be able to buy into this. And that once again, like our system is built on people building wealth, right? And passing down that wealth and sharing that wealth across the country and other businesses and just the capitalistic system. If we can't have people buying into that system anymore, where does that leave us? I, I don't know. Me, I'm, and here I'm going to say, like, I think it just creates, once again, like a greater divide, right? You're going to see that poverty gap growing more and more and more where it is going to be like, and it's just, it's not just being like negative about it, but it's, it's just like, once again, economics, like people just aren't going to be able to afford certain things. We talk about inflation. We talk about the price of things just rising. And if people's wages aren't also rising at the same rate, what do we do? So, okay. So, so what is the exact problem mm -hmm. right now? Why are people right now either holding on to money, not buying houses? Cause you know, I don't know. You're in, you're in the market mm -hmm. kids our age. I feel as though I heard a lot of people were buying homes. I heard a lot of people were active. It seems to have slowed down. What is the reason for that? Or what are they telling you is the reason for that? Well, that combination thing, I think, is when you speak to people individually, you're hearing a lot of miseducation, right? You're seeing a lot of people who just, it's like that Cousin Joel post I put up the other day, right? About like, who are you really listening to to get your info about your specific situation? And I think that's, that's something that I think a lot of us need to just kind of hone down on right now when we look at, okay, the future of like what's going on, whether it be, you know, talking about supply chain and can I get, you know, gifts and stuff for the holidays and if it's really affecting me, what sort of adjustments do I need to make in my shopping and holiday planning? Same thing with your house buying plan. You know that there's going to be a massive, massive shortage that we need to deal with over the next couple of years. We also know that interest rates are going to be going up slowly yet surely over the next couple of years. So that means that if you wait to buy that home because you think right now is a crazy time, you're still going to be paying a higher amount, you know, later down the road because that's just how interest affects your monthly payment amount. If right now you're saying, okay, I don't know what to do, who to shop around with, I would just sit back and ask somebody, like, who are you actually talking to about this? Because like you're saying, you know plenty of people who have bought homes recently. Correct. I see people buying homes daily, right? And I'm like, okay, so where is the, where's the gap in your search? Is it really that maybe the person you're working with doesn't know how to go out and find, you know, these things that are maybe like off market or like 
or also it's changing your criteria because that's that's a part of the conversation we need to have is that we need to realize that if your buying power isn't where you thought it was maybe you need to take a step back and say okay for the next five years let me buy a fixer-upper let me buy a home in the next neighborhood over and then five years from now I'll have enough money saved I'll have enough equity right built up in my home and then I'll roll over and say next neighborhood well I think there's also massive Mm -hmm. uncertainty people are unsure of what's going to happen to the economy how do you solve that if you're not asking questions no you don't I'm just saying no no of course and that's where I go with people because I'm like we're always going to be uncertain about something but there always seems to be people who are getting it done like we go back to 2008 when everything was crashing not only the housing market right like banks the whole financial system was going to shit Mm -hmm. that is why we are dealing with the housing shortage we have right now because there was a massive halt on development during from what like 2008 to 2011 right so all that backed up we, we didn't build homes year after year after year, but people were still buying them. Anybody who was ready and poised at that time was ready to buy homes. Which is, was a very small select amount of people who were ready in 2008. And yeah, right? So now have. you look at it once again, but people looked back on it and said like, okay, we know this is something that now that happens, it's a, it's a cyclical event that happens in our economy, like in our cycle. So what are we going to do now to prepare for the next time it happens? And those people were prepared now. Because once again, it's not a lot of like large investors. Like it's people like me and you, right, who just pay attention to those things and then when it happens they're ready to strike right we had Decamar on the other day talking about stock markets right like don't buy into the market right now it's at the high if you're thinking about it no keep educating yourself keep moving money into your brokerage account but isn't that the same case with housing as far as buying at the high yeah right now you'd be buying at a high if you were to buy right now with the stock market though are you buying directly into the S&P 500 or are you buying individual stocks depending on their price I mean the majority of stocks are up right now but that's the difference though right it's like understanding the product and the stock that you're actually buying into the asset that you're buying into I don't think a lot of people who look at the housing market understand the asset they're buying into Mm. because if you look at it right like how today I was looking at a property that's $280,000 right a couple blocks from a college that'll bring in close to $26,000 a year for someone Mm mm-hmm or they can just go out there and live there right in a great area that'll appreciate over the next couple of years. We understand that. That's $280,000, mm-hmm. right? You, we can do the math. Somebody gets a 10% down payment, 5% down payment on that. Sure. That's very affordable for most people. It's you loosely go, used. You yeah. go a sure. couple neighborhoods over. Well, think about three, even 3% down on a 280 like loan. Like that's Sure. Nine grand, 10 grand after closing costs. Sure. That's what I'm saying. You got to yeah. work towards these things. On the other side of Philadelphia, right? You can be dealing with a house that is $750,000. That's correct. But can it be stated that, like, for example, like Deckmar said about the market, can, mm-hmm. and, and this is the, insert, the uncertainty I was talking about, and I'm asking you, mm-hmm. can it be stated then that, okay, yeah, they're selling the house at 280 now for a reason, but what happens if everything goes to shit and now a year from now the house is 140 because, and then the people capitalize? Prices will only vary so much, right, when they are... Well, once again, like there's a there's a ton of regulations that have been put in place that no longer allows people to even buy those assets anymore for those crazy price variations. Mm. Right. So for most people who say like, OK, I'm going to go ahead and buy a house that was presented at 280. What comes next? OK, you put in your offer. You got to get it appraised. That appraisal only came back at 250. So the bank only giving you 250 for it. Right. Right. So, hey, listen, you got to figure out a way to come up with that other 30,000 because the bank's not going to be liable for it. Mm-hmm. So even if the, pro- the value of the property drops, like everybody's still good based on the appraised value of that home and based on the comparative value of the other properties around the neighborhood, right? So it's not just, oh, you want to sell your home now for a million dollars? Yeah, great. That makes sense. No, no house in this neighborhood has sold for that price. Nothing in this analysis makes sense based on that, right? And when you look at what they say going forward, 
the, the shortage isn't going to be fulfilled. Like that problem isn't going to be solved to the point where it would now make home prices reduce. Mm-hmm. Right. So we look at supply and demand. It's basic supply and demand, right? Demand is, is very high right now, right? Correct. Prices are going up because supply is very low. Correct. Supply is not going to increase anytime in, in the near future. Right, right, right. Because there's a lack of development. So how do we settle that demand? How do we settle the price influx? It, unless they start raising more like interest rates, which right? they're and going to. Like, exactly. well, that, well, they have to because the mortgage companies have to. And that's gonna, just read online. They well, have once to. Once again, buyers are money. still like people are making money, right? Like through the pandemic, people have found ways of like putting other money together. I sent you that post the other day of the uh, Uber driver who's uh, qualified for four hundred like four hundred thousand dollar loan, right? Mortgage on his home, and it's like okay. Think about it. there are people who are doing side gigs right now who are able to piece together a lot of money, who are going to now put themselves in a very different position a year from now six months from now, because they have been hustling during the pandemic. They've been learning about, okay, how can I get into this market? Because it can't be impossible for everybody to get into it. Right. I mean, sure. Buying a home in itself, though, is a very difficult task in in itself. It's a very large investment, and it's a lot of money in in an uncertain economy, in an uncertain time where, like we said, there's a massive supply Mm -hmm. chain shortage. Things are going wrong. Mm -hmm. Weird things are happening in the country. It's scary to make a massive investment. And that's the thing. Like, I think at a certain point, you got to... And this is why, like, you know, the people that we come into contact with, the conversation that we have, because even this conversation, right, like, this is something that just kind of allows us to just think hypothetically, like, see where things are going. But it also makes us realize, like, okay, maybe there's other things that we need to dive into and understand a little bit more. Maybe there's somebody listening to this and saying, like, hmm, maybe I do need to, like, look at real estate a little bit differently instead of, like, looking at it just from a first-time home buyer. Let me look at it from, like, this is an investment. Oh, for sure. What would I do if I was looking at this as a five- to ten-year plan? As opposed to thinking, oh, I'm going to be in this home for 30 years. Maybe then you say, okay, well, I saw a house that was actually $100,000 cheaper than what I was pre-approved for. And there's not a lot of offers going in that area right now. So why don't I go and live in that area, fix that home up? Two years, I'll move out of there, and now I'm in my dream neighborhood. Right? Like, these are the strategies where it's like, even if you go to you and talk to your financial advisor, you talk to somebody like Deckmar, right, about stocks. Yo, what do you think about this, uh, this company? Oh, no, man, don't buy in there. But where you do need to get into, right? Like if you start talking about to real stock traders, they'll tell you about entry points, exit points, right? Nobody's sitting there talking about that in their daily conversation about the stock market. Everybody says the market's high. Yeah, but what would be a good entry point for you to get in on Apple? I think um, I, I think what it all comes back to and sums up to is that people just need to start having the conversation if they're uncertain. They need to just reach out to an agent or mm-hmm. a local agent, reach out to a lender and have conversation because I, I, there's clearly uncertainty given the entire housing market mm-hmm. there. I mean, there's, and there's always going to be uncertainty with a lot of these things. Like we just, we only know what we know. Right. And Correct. we got to admit that we don't know what we don't know, which is the future. And if we really want to get into the game, then it's just like, ask people who are already doing it. Right. Like I'm not going to sit here and waste my time to figure out every in and out of a topic that really doesn't interest me too much, but I'm just trying to get into, right. Like we say at a certain point, okay, you hire somebody for that, or you just find somebody to get the job done and you tell them what you're looking for and they'll just guide you along the way. Right. So like you said, if somebody's really out there stuck and saying like, okay, I don't know how to really get in this market. I've been dealing, you know, sending out a couple of messages to different agents or just doing a search by yourself. Stop it. Cut it out. Have a conversation. Have a real conversation with somebody. It's mm-hmm. not scary. Right. Mm-hmm. Just be like, hey, listen, man, I want to buy a house in a year, six months from now. What does that look like for me? And you'll be very surprised at how easy the process can be when somebody's literally hand holding you through. I think basically where we got from all of that is China has a bunch of empty homes. There's a housing problem. You need to talk to a real estate agent and... You're going to have a difficult time getting Christmas presents this year. But you know what's going to solve it? What? 
the robots. The ro- and the robots, which we warned you all about. We talked about this a couple episodes, and we that's did. what I'm saying. We we gonna look back on this five years. We from warned now. you guys about robots. Five years from now, and in five come years, back to this there episode. might still be trucks sitting on the coast of California. Oh, without a doubt, crates. I mean, without ships. a doubt, like the like the apocalypse scene. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at that point, they're just gonna give it up. Well, yeah. Well, then it's gonna be like Mad Max, or is that is that Mad? Yeah, Mad oh, Max. That's what I'm telling you. We're all like dressed the up, crazy like, truckers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where mm-hmm. we're headed. Mad Max. Robots are taking over. Yeah, crazy men are driving in the deserts. Yeah, that's but we we are going to get on people to talk. Like we're gonna have guests in the future to talk about the topics we discussed today. Not ghost cities in China, unless we know somebody that is a specialist in ghost cities in China. I need somebody to come over to talk about that. Um, but we're gonna talk about we're gonna have I'm people on to have much more insight towards the supply chain problem. More insight towards the housing market. Maybe we'll get Britt back on. I need people. She moves. That was an awesome episode. I need people to tap in. I know we can go back and forth. I know she has some insights on. I'm yeah, we, we should we get her on. Problem. So, what's your? Um, with all that being said, what's your content rec then for the week? Mm, what did I people? tap back into this week? I am watching Succession is back okay. on HBO Max season three. What Succession? It is. I think did I talk about it earlier? Man, we. We at that point where I really just don't even know what we talk about anymore on these podcasts. Like in the I, early I don't know episodes, if you brought it up honestly. Either. We might have brought it up like in the early episodes, but basically, it's a show about a family, like think of like a dynasty, right? And they are head of one of the largest media com- like media conglomerates in America. Okay, so right. like they'd be like the head of like Fox, Fox CNN. News. Okay, yep. like yeah, what's Fox. that guy's name? Like Rupert Murdoch. Uh, I have no yeah, idea. Uh, that's that's the guy in Succession, right? That's okay. the dad. Okay. So and it kind of is like based around that too because they're like known for spreading news that is very controversial right things sure. that people say like are a detriment to the country and it's like why are you spreading this information oh well we're making money you know we're the richest wealthiest people around you know the country blah 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 so basically they're at the point now where he needs to pass down the business to somebody in the family right hence the name so he's sitting there going through the kids and it's like okay as the story develops you start seeing like each character and how they kind of like really would help the the business where their strengths and weaknesses are what their backstories are then you get to the end of season one and man, did it end with a crazy cliffhanger okay. because one of the kids just went scorched earth. Okay. On the Murdoch family, on the dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. So he, spoiler alert once again, cause I know some of y'all already watched the show. So I know you probably finished season one. Well, I might watch the show. I don't think you're going to watch it. Uh, I probably not. Honestly, you probably won't watch it. I probably won't. Well, I'll tell you at the end of, it's the end of season one. So it's still going. Yeah. End of season one, um, Ken, the son, he sits there and basically turns on his dad okay. because his dad makes him take the blame for a crazy event that happens right within the company. And he wasn't to blame for it, but he's like, I need you to do this. And he's like, oh, okay, well, this is what you think of me. Great. Okay. I, I got you. I got you. Dad. So he asked him to take the fall for something. Mm-hmm. He huh. goes and sits there and does the, um, you know, the press conference. And he's like, yeah, so I'm here to, you know, talk about the event, blah, blah, blah. And I want to let you guys know that my dad is basically a cancer to this earth. Oof. And you know the cameras just started going off, clicking left and right, right, asking them, "Hey, what are you talking about? Blah blah. blah. Tell us about your dad. What do you think about this? What's next up for the for the company?" And he just walks out with his grin on his face, hops in the car, starts sending these texts out, trying to set up his next move. And now here we are with season season what three? Yeah, interesting. Season three, Succession, HBO Max. Listen, man, one of the best shows out right now. Interesting. One of the best shows out. Anything else? No, no, that's it. But I also did notice on HBO Max, because you know we're superhero fans. We are massive superhero fans. Bro, they have a lot of the DC, like, actual, like, comic-like shows and, like, movies. Bro. Like, the Batman-like series, like, the really good ones. So have you... Oh, wow, is that a new one? What yeah. year is that? Yeah, The Long Halloween, part one. 
and part two just came out this year. Dude, have you ever looked at the Rotten Tomatoes on those? They're incredible. That's what made me. I, the first one I watched was the Red Hood, have, right? Um, have you ever watched the Killing Joke? Yes. Yeah. Bro, that's phenomenal. They're incredible. They are incredible. They're really well they done. They are so unknown, so yep. underappreciated, and they're like the only DC movies that get good reviews. Oh, because yeah, that's the thing. Well, that's like the nerd side of us that people are going to be mm-hmm. like, what are they diving into? I need you guys to start watching these comic DC movies. DC comic movies, they're so good. They're animated, and they are so gory. Yes. The, the, like, they curse. Great content. They are phenomenal. Great content. So yeah. I got a whole bunch of those lined up. Batman beats got. the piss out of people. Yes. That's the real Batman we want to see. Yeah, it is. Oh, speaking um, about that, new Batman trailer dropped this week. Oh, yeah, the new Batman trailer dropped with Robert Pattinson. Check I, it out, people. We'll see how it goes. Um, Bert, send us home. Which content? Final, final touch on for the week. So my content rec is actually the Elijah Craig Old Fashioned Week. So for all of our bourbon mm-hmm. enthusiasts, if you are listening and you are a fellow whiskey drinker like myself, like Dikembe, Elijah Craig. Like that dog liquor. Yep. Elijah Craig, a local known, not local, a nationally known um, whiskey company, is hosting an old-fashioned week. So if you go online you, into Elijah Craig, uh, oldfashionedweek.com, and you put in your zip code, it'll show you all the participating bars in the area, and they're hosting specific cocktails. Every purchase goes to a workers' fund that they are hosting. So it's just a way to go out, try new old-fashioned, hit your local bars, and it'll all go to a fund that is trying to get people back into the workforce, which ties directly to what we were talking about in the beginning. Yep. And let's go out and have a drink. If they don't get back to work, you've seen them, them robotic uh, bartenders that they have on cruise ships? Yes. Listen, we about to see a couple of those at some local breweries if people don't get back to work. That's right. So get, so if you are listening, get back to work. Um, get back to work. Thank you, you so much. Me. We got a, a bunch in store for you guys. We appreciate everything. Ooh, one final send off. <clears throat> I had a very cool moment the other day. <laughs> I had a fan. Oh, yeah, this was dope. This, this was, was cool. Dope. This was cool. This is me taking a small time gratitude moment. I had a random fan come up to me and he recognized me by my voice, asked me my name, and then said that he listens to First Sip. Dude, dude, when I tell you I was so giddy. Is this how it begins? Bro, I was walking around smiling for like two hours. I would. Just because it's someone I didn't know who listens to us how cool is that? i would have taken a road trip just to clear my mind i was pumped why well, was it i did i mean i called you didn't answer but then i did get in the car windows mm-hmm. down and i listened to some like just flying I, yeah. I was happy yeah it was cool so like with that being said yeah. if you're listening you are impacting me and dikembe directly emotionally and we truly appreciate and it and on that point yeah staying you know last last bit right? last last because we aren't giving guys, up if you guys are appreciating it, yeah we really do understand you know like this is we're really reaching a lot of people here and we're building a little community and we got to get better. Um, yeah. We're definitely trying to improve. Um, and then, with that, you know, send us some feedback, you know, what we can do also go on to Apple, Spotify. And if you can leave us a review, right. Ooh, that's drop that's a little five-star review. If you really like with the content, share it with a couple of your friends, you know, if on Thursdays, if you're listening to it and you get something out of it that you enjoy, share it with one or two of your people, drop yeah. in your group chat, drop we an really honest review. It. Yep. Yeah. Drop an honest review. Yeah. However you feel, drop an honest review. Well, any if attention it, if, if it's bad you can just send it to us directly um, yeah you can send if it it's at, one star don't you could just don't put one star just, just we're not trying to wake up to that please. yeah don't put just, one star we're not right we're not built for that no don't put one star yeah, but no i'm emotional please don't yeah the kembe will cry I will. And, and he will get defensive i will yes i'll he, fight you he will <laughs> <laughs> um we truly appreciate everyone we have great content coming we are working hard we're gonna blow this up thank you so much and as always enjoy the first sip